If you have your Bible, Mark chapter 3 and verse 13, we've taken the last few weeks and we're talking about the call of the king. Can I thank you all so much for your response to last week's message and uh, the safe house in Iraq that we agreed to sponsor. Over $20,000 has come in. Would you give yourselves a little hand clap? That's just absolutely tremendous. And that uh, at CCC, that never comes from one large donor and a few people making a, a few fine, small contributions. That is so often a collective response and many people giving their part. And I thank you all for hearing that Macedonian call last week. And uh, today I'm believing that the call of the King is still in the room. And I'm encouraging you just to open your spiritual ear to what God is going to speak to our church family. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. He, Jesus, goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. It's a moment of separation. It's a moment of dedication that we read about in Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. But it's a challenge that comes to us, to every one of us, to separate ourselves for a greater purpose than what we could have ever accomplished on our own, a greater plan than we could have ever been a part of by ourselves. But God it invites his church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, to become a part of this hand that reaches, this purpose that's extended, and he does it through individuals who are committed. Someone say disciples. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for how your word... God, this worship has already led us into your presence and you've met with us in these past few moments. We've felt your spirit, God. We've felt that defining moment where you move and you walk into the room. And God, you touch hearts and you touch lives and moments are impacted in eternity because of just this time that we've had together. I thank you for that. I'd ask that you would speak clearly, God, that people would hear your voice in this moment we pray and the church said amen just while you're seated would you clap hands to the lord and tell god how much you love him on your own in jesus name mark chapter 3 and verse 1 if we were to backtrack from that single scripture we read for a text you find that jesus enters again into the synagogue he had a habit of making his way into the place where the word was preached and declared and he had a habit of coming among people that were of like precious faith, just like all of you. This morning, Jesus modeled what he has asked us to do. And so the Bible says this, he entered again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. I'm not sure if any of you have realized it tonight. It may not be apparent on the outside. It may be an inward struggle that somebody has. It may be uh, invisible to us in the natural eye. But could I let somebody know today that somebody came in the room this morning with a withered hand? Somebody came this morning because they were broken from something that's happened in their past. Somebody came this morning because of a situation that they've dealt with for a long time and the pain causes them to hide. You may not have seen it. It may have just kind of slid that withered hand inside their cloak and you haven't noticed it. You may have been around for a while and they've managed to hide it from you. But can I just remind us that we all have a withered part in our life? 
that some part of us is withered. And many of us, when we come into the room, we've got our Sunday best on and we look pretty good this morning. And we may be able to fool a few people all the time. And we may be able to fool some people all the time. But, but can I just remind us that we can't fool everybody all the time. And at some point in our life, our weakness shows up. At some point in a service, somewhere, somebody realizes, I can't do this by myself. I, I'm broken on the inside. And, and i just like to remind us that the reason we come together is because in moments just like this, God can heal. That God can deliver. And somebody that showed up this morning and you're broken on the inside, God wants to bring healing. He doesn't intend for us to leave the same way that we came in the room. He doesn't want us to leave halt, withered, or lame. God wants us to leave knowing that we've been touched by him this morning. There's power when his people come together. I'm so thankful that God has, how many have ever come in the room before and you knew that there was a part of you that was crippled, that you knew that there was a part of you that was broken, that was handicapped, there was a, a part of you that, that couldn't do what you wanted it to do. You, you tried, but you couldn't accomplish. You reached, but you couldn't grasp. You, 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 you tried to do the, the run or the walk of faith and you failed somewhere along the line and you just had to admit to yourself, I, I can't do this on my own. Anybody like that? You remember a time when you came in, but, but in that moment, God met you right where you were. God showed up and his hand touched you. His spirit ministered to you and you left different than the way that you came. There was a man that day. The Bible says there was a man there which had a withered hand. And the Bible tells us that the scribes and the Pharisees, they watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they may accuse him. Jesus has just entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. The eyes of the righteous right are on him. The shepherds of Israel are shepherding the people. The custodians of the law are watching for any infraction that may occur. They're seeing whether he will or whether he won't heal on the Sabbath. Their anticipation wasn't for the purpose of celebration. Their attention wasn't being given for rejoicing over the miraculous work that God was about to do. No, the Bible says in verse 2 that they watched him, that they might accuse him. I, I don't believe that there would be many people in the room that would be this way this morning, but allow me a moment to ask us the reason why we've come together today. Are we here to watch or are we here to worship? Is it to watch or have we come to participate? Is it to watch? Have we come out of curiosity? Have we, or have we come to celebrate? What, what's the reason we've come into the room this morning? Why have we come? Because too often we can slide back into the role of the Pharisee or the Sadducee and we can begin to become onlookers and, and instead of participates, participators, we observe to see whether or not what we want to happen is going to happen, whether or not the song we want sung is going to be sung, whether or not the preacher that we want to preach is going to preach, whether the sermon we want to hear is going to be heard I don't know why we've come today but I pray that it's not to watch I wonder if we've just all come so that we could worship so that we, we could declare him as king of kings and lord of lords because if we've come to worship the lame will leave healed that's what we've got to realize today the power of this present God it matters what we do when he's here 
And I have felt his spirit move in our midst. I, I'm grateful that that anointing of God has just... It just kind of moves like a cloud. It just drifts amongst us. And, and if you're sensitive and if you're, you're, you're inclined to, to sense that, that, that all of a sudden you'll feel that touch. It's just that little tingle you feel. It's just that. They, they, I don't know what it is for you. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, it, makes, it makes a difference when, when God shows up in the room. When he walks in the room, all of a sudden, miracles begin to happen. They begin to occur. And, and if we've come to worship, let me tell you what we're doing. If we haven't just come to watch, but we've come to worship, our attention, all attention, is being directed to the one that can make the difference. Our attention, all of a sudden, directs someone to, to the one that can heal, to the one that can help, to the one that says, ah, they came in this way, but when they leave, they're going to be different because of my touch. That's the power of worship. We haven't just come to watch this morning. We haven't just come to watch. And uh, I, I think it's point worthy that we consistently re-examine our reason for coming. I think it's important. I, I'm, I'm so glad to see all of you. I'm, I'm glad that we're all here together. I'm glad that we're in this presence of God together. I, I can get distracted with life just like you. I I can, I can get focused on the mechanics of service. Whether or not this happens in the right way and whether or not this occurs. and We can get, we can get a million things. Oh, I wonder if this person's here. And, and sometimes you just got to say, whoa, that's not why we're here. We're, we never want to be the paid professional church people. We just want to be people that are absolutely needing a touch from God. We're just the man with the withered hand that's praying. I hope that God shows up today because I've had enough of just law and registration and legalization. I've had enough of, of all going through the motions. We could do that over and over again. But if God will just show up, we will leave healed. We will. I know it's a well-worn scripture. It's our go-to for opening service with. But the psalmist was right when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's a personal decision that becomes a corporate effort. It's an individual that becomes a part of something greater than himself. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You see, what's happening here is way bigger than one person. What's happening here is that God is touching his people, that God is meeting with us this morning. This is not our house. We're grateful to be stewards of it. We're privileged to be a part of it. But this is the house of the Lord. This is God's house. We are simply his people. Anybody come to worship him this morning? Anybody come just to praise him for a few minutes? Could someone just lift a hand for a moment? Because God could perform a miracle right now. I, I don't want to just go through the motions. We need a miraculous intervention. We need an apostolic touch of God to move. We need that anointing that destroys yokes of bondage to settle in this room right now. I, I wish someone would just reach out. Come on, reach out past that easy point into that place where God's presence is for a moment hallelujah hallelujah so here we are 2,000 years later still struggling with the same thing we have a room full of withered hands withered hearts and withered spirits with withered hands we have sickness in our bodies 
our withered hearts. We are emotionally lame. With our withered spirits, sinful activity has sapped the life from our spirit. We have withered hands in the room this morning. And we can't afford to come and not worship. We can't afford to come and just watch. We can't afford to come and just go through the motions. We have got to make this a house of God. We've got to make this a house where he moves in. He sets up shop. He begins to perform a spiritual uh, uh, work in our life. He begins to heal us and deliver us and set us free. We need an apostolic touch of God in our lives today. It's in that moment where he leaves the synagogue and the Bible goes on in Mark chapter 3 verse 7 he says, but Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea and a great multitude from Galilee followed him from Judea, from Jerusalem, from Idumea and from beyond Jordan. And they about Tyre and Sidon. I mean, his crowd has grown. The, the people have heard about the miracle of the man with the withered hand. They have gathered together. They've come from near and far. Word has spread quickly from life to life. And if there was a need in your family, if there was a need that you knew of, all of a sudden they heard about a miracle worker. And so they show up. There's a crowd there. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that there was so many people there that Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, get a small boat together because I don't know what's going to happen when this crowd gets pressing and pressing and pushing. I, don't, I, I haven't got anywhere to go. There's no exit door. There's no exit stage left from the seashore. He says, so get a little boat together because these people have all come. They've heard about the miracle working power of this one and they've all showed up. On math, they're here, they're ready, they're watching, they're seeing what's happening on the seashore. It's that commonplace, nobody's held back, anybody can show up on the seashore. And so the congregation congregates and they gather together. And, and up until now, Jesus has just kind of been in those places of congregation. We know that, that he does that work and the multitude is there and miracles happen, signs and wonders occur. People leave different than the way that they came. Aren't you glad that God still does it? today aren't you glad that this is more than just a story we better back up and hit that one more time because sometimes we're filled with a little bit of doubt would someone just tell God you're glad he's still a miracle worker someone thank God we got some reports after Wednesday night when pastor preached about prayer the power of prayer some people wrote and said you know I'm so grateful you talked about that because this is what happened when I prayed one time here here's what happened when we began to pray in the power of Jesus name miracles occurred something shifted in the atmosphere something shifted in the environment God is still a miracle worker and we're, we're doing more than just preaching about it this morning. I, I want someone to know we don't have to have a lineup. We don't have to touch you. We don't have to anoint you with oil. The hand of God is here to heal a withered hand that's in the room this morning. It can happen in a moment. I, I kind of back up and hit that one more time. God, has you got to realize that God is still a healer today. God is still healing this morning. So up until now, we've seen him. In the places of congregation, those people have gathered together. And we need community. We need, we need to be together. It's still not good for man or woman to be alone. We're always better together. It's arrogance that says, I don't need you. It's a breakdown in brotherhood. It's Cain that kills Abel because he can't say, Abel, I need what you have. 
When that breakdown in brotherhood happens, that pride, that spirit of independence, I don't need anybody else. I'm going to do this all by myself. Can I just remind you, you can't. You can't do this on your own. We all need one another. We all need somebody. The, the songwriter says, lean on me. Right? When you're not strong, I'll be your friend. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's tired. Why? Because you're going to need somebody to lean on at some point. We, we all need somebody to lean on at some point. At some point in our lives, we all have someone that we turn to. We all have somebody that, that we said, you know, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to go any further. I got I to get a hold of somebody that'll pray. I got to get a hold of somebody that's got a hold of God. I, I got to get a hold of somebody that I know they already talked to the master today. I, I got to get a hold of Sister Phillips. Or I got to get a hold of Brother Phillips. Why? Because they've got a relationship with God. I don't have to ask them if they already prayed today. I already know that they have when I go home in the evening I don't have to ask Kathy if she spent time in prayer I already know that she has I already know it but sometimes we not only need somebody to lean on we've got to be the somebody that somebody else can lean on <laughs> Whoa. you have got to become that person that somebody needs and that only happens when we're willing to become disciples of God. That only happens. It doesn't happen in the congregation. I'm grateful for what occurs in the congregation. I'm grateful for everybody that, that, that becomes a conglomerate that's here today. I, I'm grateful for uh, all of our shapes, sizes, and colors. I'm grateful for it. Yeah, all right. I'm grateful that we're a multi-generational Multicultural, we don't have to say, it. We, we are grateful that that's the dynamic of who we are as a church. We're grateful for all of that. But we also have got to realize that the world is looking for a church that they can depend on right now. Pastor's going to touch on it tonight, but let me hit it for a minute this morning. Our world is in a mess right now, and light is shining like it never has before. So let your little light shine, CCC. Let your light shine in the midst of darkness. Let your voice speak peace in the midst of chaos. Let you, you've got to become the one that God uses. You've got to become that one. When they had heard what great things, they all came together. We, we need to do that. But if you'll read on in the scripture, verse 9 goes on and it says, and he spake to his disciples, you know, sorry, let me, let me just jump down here. I'm, I'm off my notes on tangents. I'm running, chasing rabbits down rabbit holes. We've got to become the, the person that, that somebody leans on. Mark 3, 1, the place of congregation. It was a synagogue. It was a place of connection. Mark 3, 7, it was the sea. It was the lowest point. It was the common denominator. They followed him there. It was uh, Mark 3, 9, it was the ship. It was, uh, it was the people were so, he was so popular that he was scared of the press of the people. So we have all those places where it's a common ground, where it's communi uh, a communion, it's congregation. It's all those things together. It's just this mass group of people that have gathered and we need that. That's who we are. However, the scripture didn't stop there. In verse 13, 
It says that Jesus had another purpose and that Jesus had another plan. Everybody could be at the synagogue or the sea, but not everybody could be called up into the mountain. Not everybody, let me rephrase that, would go up into the mountain. In Mark 3.13, it says, And he, Jesus, goeth up into a mountain, and he calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. Up until now, we've had the congregation. We've had the people, the press. But we didn't have the disciples. Discipleship can only happen when we set ourselves apart. Discipleship can only happen when we are willing to follow into the hard places with God. Discipleship happens. The person that, you, that you're going to lean on is someone who has set time aside. They have disciplined themselves to become somebody that God can use. Jesus called and they responded. And sometimes I think we say, well, I, I don't know if I'm called or not. I don't know if I've heard the call. Can I just remind everybody that out of 7 billion people in the world, you are in a place this morning that preaches truth. You're called. You've already, you've already been set aside. You've already been, been earmarked by God to be one that he could use to reach the world that needs you. You're one. You're already called. Tap your neighbor. Say, you're called. I'm waiting. Tap your, tap your other neighbor, I guess. I don't know. Tell him you're called. If, if nobody tapped you, it's not be, let me tap you this morning. You're called. Nobody tapped you on the shoulder. I'm telling you right now, you're called. You're called because God separated you, seven billion people in the world, and you've heard truth. You're called. God trusted you with truth. He's, he's entrusted you with the responsibility. You've already met. You've seen what God can do. You know the miracle-working power of God. You know he's a healer, a helper, a deliverer, a savior, a sustainer. That's who he is. You're called. Now tap your neighbor and say, you're called. If you can't touch him, shout at him. You're called. You're called. But will we respond this morning? Because in order to be a disciple, you've got to be willing to go if you're called. It's interesting to, to me that the men that he called... In that moment, they had not yet matured. They were the men that were asking, Pastor preached about it Wednesday night, teach us to pray. Not just how to pray. They hadn't even gotten the to pray down. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray because right now we're just men. But God, you're calling us to be disciples. Teach us to... to to dive into your word like we never have before because God, right now, we're not mature. We haven't yet placed the priority. Uh, we, we, we get together and we, we do church, but God, you're calling us to dive into your word so we can know your voice. We want to be disciples. There's a call in the room for discipleship. Discipleship is different. It places his mark on your life. There is no crossless disciples I I understand what the author of the song was was meaning when he said he bore my cross for me but can I tell you there is a cross that you have to take up 
and it's the cross of discipleship. We all have to bear our own cross. He was the substitutionary lamb. He, he was the sacrifice that was the substitute for me. He bore my cross. But can I remind you today that I have got to take up my own cross and follow him. It costs something to be a disciple. Nobody cruises into discipleship. You don't just fall into discipleship. You don't just happen to become a disciple. The word discipline is in there somewhere for a reason. You have to discipline yourself. It's, it's exercising it's exercising your spiritual prerogative. It's separating yourself. When everybody else is watching something online, you separate yourself to dive into the word of God. That's discipleship. It's, it's separating yourself. When everybody else is having a good time, you find a place to get alone with God. That's discipleship. It's a place of prayer. It's a corner that you find somewhere where you cry out to God because you know you can't do this on your own. That's discipleship. That, that's just a little bit about what discipleship looks like. It's about leaving the crowd and separating yourself because God's call is on your life and you know it's going to cost you something. You've got to separate yourself if you're going to become a disciple. And God needs disciples in this day. God needs disciples who are willing to pay the price of discipleship. You can observe him in the synagogue with everybody else. Never heard a man teach like that before. You can celebrate him at the seashore with everybody else. The miracle working power of God on display. You can be a part of the crowd. But only will you know him on the mountain. You won't unless you become a disciple. You can only know you. On the mountain. The mountain. Think with me. Just I've got eight major mountains in scripture. We won't go through them all. But think with me how many times God separated people on the mountain. How many times did God say it was Mount Ararat. Noah landed there. It was, it was <clears throat> mountains through scripture that God made men of God. The mountain is a separator. It was Sulphur Mountain in Banff that Kathy and I had the privilege of seeing just two, almost two years ago, May 5th, 2019. We had been invited out to be a part of Canada Conference. And uh, Trevin and Alicia Potra took us to Banff and we had driven out there the weather wasn't all that good that morning it had snowed the night before and it was a little bit foggy but we got there and and uh I had the I I wanted to go up to the top of Sulphur Mountain now I wish that I could say that I climbed along with Kathy to the top <laughs> Sulphur Mountain I, as a matter of fact I I wish that I had a story for you today about climbing up the side of a mountain now John Ramirez reminded me that when we were in, when we were in Guatemala, he, after this morning service, he said, you, you climbed up that, the side of that mountain with, with us in Guatemala. And I, I, kind of, I do remember that. I have a bad memory. But I remember that it wasn't all that bad. It was a beautiful little trail, and we made our way up to that zip line. Don't ask me why in the world we thought a zip line in Guatemala was a safe thing to do. I figured that out somewhere over top of the jungle canopy at Lake Atitlan. I thought, what in the world am I doing? 
But I remember, uh, I remember that Kathy and I, when we, you know, I told the morning session, I said, just so you know, nobody cares about your car that climbed Mount Washington. You ever see those bumper stickers? This car climbed Mount Washington. <laughs> it does not matter to anybody else that your car climbed Mount Washington. Nobody is going to ask them. I said, I've never asked anybody how many, how many uh, gallons of gas did it take for you to get to the top of Mount Washington? It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter to people. Now you tell me that you climbed a mountain and then you got my ear. I want to hear about the challenge that it was. I want to hear about how long it took. I, I want to hear about the preparation. And I want to hear about what, what exactly it cost you. And then I want to hear about the accomplishment. I, I want to hear about that. If you climbed the mountain, and I wish that I could tell you that we climbed the mountain, we didn't. As a matter of fact, I have a little video clip. We thought it was a picture, but go ahead and roll that for a second. Just take, watch closely now, watch. <laughs> oh, it's a video, sorry. Can you take a picture? And... But... Yeah, one of those, oh, I thought it was a picture, but it was a video moments. But if you look, this was the view from the top. I wish that I could say that we climbed our way to the top of Sulphur Mountain and look at the view. We didn't. We took the gondola. I didn't even know if we were going to get to do that because Kathy was like, I can't get on that thing. I was like, come on, just get on, come on. Kathy's the one that gets excited on the children's roller coaster ride. She's that one. She, as a matter of fact, she's the one that's scared to death on the children's roller coaster ride, out screaming all the children. There's all the little four or five-year-olds, and then Kathy. <laughs> Actually, no, she doesn't have her hands up. <laughs> that's true. That's not an exaggeration. I'm not being evangelistic in that. Not at all. That's her. And so here we are, you know, I'm glad that there was no lineup that day, that it wasn't really going to be a, a good day. As a matter of fact, the, the fog had rolled in, and, and just as Kathy says, it was the Lord, and I believe that probably she's right. She prayed for the clouds to part, and they did. And so there we were at the top of Sulphur Mountain, this beautiful view, and we had taken the gondola ride up. It didn't, it cost us a few dollars. As a matter of, I think it was like $60 each. It cost us that. But... The, the ride up didn't cost us much as far as effort. I'll read you the ad. The ad says this. The Banff sightseeing gondola is located just five minutes from the town of Banff on the shoulder of Sulphur Mountain in the heart of the Canadian Rockies. Sit back and relax in a four-person glass-enclosed gondola that takes you to the top of Sulphur Mountain. <laughs> They have to do that to get people to go, I guess. But if we had paused that quick little video clip, you would have seen a trail that winded its way along the side of the mountain. You'd travel, on our travel up, it was a few minutes ride from the bottom to the top. On our travels up the side of the mountain, occasionally you could see that small single file path that would snake its way up the side of the hill. And, and you could see where people's their tracks had had been that morning they had climbed I I'm trying to remember I don't remember seeing a climber but I do remember seeing fresh tracks in the snow that had fallen the night before of people that had made their way up the side of the mountain those people had a different day than we had those people had been dedicated 
The, the people that day, they had taken time and prepared. They had, I'm sure that they had monitored their food intake. They, they calculated what the cost was going to be on the, the weight of their backpack that they were carrying. They, they took a look and they realized, I wonder how much water am I going to need because I don't want to have to carry more than I've got to if I'm going to make my way to the summit of the mountain. The mountain is a separator. It costs you something to climb the mountain. And so Jesus was comfortable in inviting people around him in the synagogue. He was he was glad to heal people at the seashore but when it came time to make disciples there was a season of separation there was a time where somebody had to make a choice uh, it's been it's been great up until now uh, it's been life on easy street but if I'm going to become a disciple I'm going to have to go up the side of the mountain it's going to cost me something and I, I remember looking down and part of me wished that I was on that trail beneath the gondola and then the other part of me knew I wasn't ready for that. There was a part of me that wished that I could say I climbed all the way to the top, but I couldn't because I didn't. The mountain's a separator. It defines that line of whether we're going to pay the price or we're not going to pay the price. There is a call in our generation for us to come up a little higher today. There's a call for us to become disciples. That discipleship is going to cost us something. The call of the king comes in our generation to our church family this morning and it invites somebody, come on, it's time to come up a little higher. Come into that place of discipleship. Come into that place of separation. Come into that place of dedication. Come a little higher this morning. It costs something to go a little higher. We can come back to the music. I thank you for your attention this morning. It's important that we make the decision to go higher because our world is looking for someone that's willing to pay the price. They may not even realize it yet. Why do you think there's that confrontation, that affront that comes to the church? Because the enemy is scared about what you have in you the enemy's scared about the power that you possess that you haven't even realized yet the the ability the the gifting the talent the treasure that's just resting on the inside waiting to be released but it can't happen at the seashore it only happens in that place of discipleship when you come up the side of the mountain you were to read on it was it was the ordain the ordaining we call it ministers that are ordained to ministry but the bible doesn't tell us that he ordained the 12 in the synagogue it doesn't tell us that he ordained the 12 at the seashore the ordination only happened when those 12 followed him up the mountain that's when the ordination happened that's when the commissioning occurred. That's when, that's when the power to become happened. It happened when, he, when they were willing to follow him up the side of the mountain. Our world needs somebody. Somebody that's discipled. Discipleship can only happen when we make our way up the mountain. Mark 3 and 14, let me read the verse. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him 
and that he might send them forth to preach verse 15 and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils you see jesus had this purpose let them see it happen and then let them be the one that allows it to happen god wants to use everybody in the room you're called remember you're called but god's anointing is going to rest on you when you become a disciple there's a call there's a call in the room today for discipleship would you stand together with me the ecclesia is the church the called out ones but it's not just about that corporate setting it's about the ones that become the one that somebody can lean on church you have a responsibility today that's why God's been challenging us God's been challenging us in our midweek sermons God's been challenging us through the word God's enabled us God's gifted us we literally have some of the best preaching and teaching that happens from our pulpit pastor is one of the greatest teachers that our world has one of the greatest preachers that our world has but all of that comes not just so we can fill our head with knowledge all that comes because God intends for us to take that and deliver come on deliver the bread don't let it get moldy if you if you collected manna more than one day's worth it got moldy don't just kind of collect all the manna the manna comes, the word comes so we can be a delivery of that word to the world that needs it. I want to be somebody that can and God's looking for someone that says, I, I want to empower them. I want to anoint them. I want to ordain them. I, I need to. The world needs them, but they've got to become a disciple. The called out ones are also the called up ones. And the challenge this morning this morning is simply is there somebody that will be the someone that God is calling that you'll climb the mountain and become a disciple today let's pray together father I thank you for God your help that comes in moments like this I thank you for your word God released among these people today God I thank you for everyone that's just hung in there until this message is finished because they've wanted to respond they wanted to pray they wanted they, they they felt that call god i'm praying that you would anoint them god that in this moment that they would set apart time in their schedule so they can become a disciple so they'll set apart time to learn they'll set apart time to, to, to reach they'll set apart time to become people that you're calling them to be i i thank you for that this morning God, I pray that you would use everyone today. God, use everyone. Would someone just make that prayer personal? I, I can't pray that prayer for you. That prayer 
can only be prayed if you're willing to climb up the mountain. But I'm, I'm encouraging you. I'm cheering you on. I, I'm inviting you. Come up a little higher this morning. It, it means isolation. It might mean separation. It, it means a season of dedication. But God's ordination is on your life if you're willing. If you're willing to climb this morning, God's anointing is going to rest on you. God, teach us to hear your voice this morning. Come on, pray, church. Come on, disciples. You don't know it yet, but God's going to use you to preach the word. Peter, you don't know it yet, but you're going to stand up. Thousands are going to come into the church because you preach the word with faith. Come on, you're going to author books. You're going to challenge generation after generation after generation. Come on, disciples. Come on, disciples. Climb a little higher this morning. Set apart the time. Set aside the, 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 the season so that you can become what God's calling you to be. Come on, disciples. Let's climb the mountain together. on anybody willing to stand come on anybody willing to be the church today anybody willing to let your voice rise above anybody willing to reach there's too many lame men among us there's too many lame women that don't have that capacity God bring healing in this room this morning let every person leave different than the way they came we pray but God don't just heal us so we can lead more comfortable self-centered lives heal us God because there's a world that needs what we've got today. Come on, lift both hands for a moment. There's, a, there's just a, a conviction in the room right now. God's asking somebody to lay something down and you've got to leave it behind. God's asking somebody to turn around because you just got to leave it all behind. There's a rich young ruler moment for somebody in the room. There, there's a moment where somebody's just going to lay it down because it don't matter in eternity. It doesn't matter. A thousand, a hundred years from now, it isn't going to matter, but eternity's going to matter. So come on, disciples, lay it down. Lay the net down. Let's sing it.